Welcome to Starting Small, an anti-racist book chat. This is Carrie, And this is Daphne. We are two friends who have come together over books and coffee more times than I can count. We've been in a book club together for a handful of years, but this one is a little bit different. We focus on books that have been part of our journey through advocacy and anti-racism. Thank you for joining us in the journey to change the world by starting small. Hello and welcome to Starting Small. In this episode, we will be tackling a book that on the surface may not seem to fit our format, but within a few chapters, it becomes very clear that The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Woolley addresses many of the same topics as other anti-racism books that we've discussed here. This one is so important to read, particularly here in the upper Midwest. But before we get into it, what's new? Ugh, so that carnival that I talked about last week, done, went well, <laughs> feel really good about it, yay. Um, we just did, I feel like a whirlwind of things. Um, I don't know why, but the end of February, beginning of March is like just crazy, crazy. For yeah. Us. So we've just been running um, with kids all over the place, but I finished two books. What did you read? Um, So I finished our book club book, The We Were Never Here. Mm -hmm. And that book is crazy. Amazing Amazing Um, in a thrillery, thrillery good way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Really good way. By the time I got to the end, I was like, what just happened? It was amazing. And then I finished a short read um, called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. J-U-N-G-E-R. Uh, it was it came through through my like book subscription box thing. And it was actually so it was written a handful of years ago and it talks about like how trauma or like a, a traumatic event like solidifies people. Like there's less depression right after something very traumatic. So like right after September eleventh, there was less people getting anti-anxiety meds and anti-depression meds and things like that. And not because they couldn't get them. Right. They just like you're not thinking about it, right? Like you're in a tribe and right. you're all focused on this one goal and we don't have that anymore, like in modern society. But it was interesting because it was written like five-ish years ago and it's like wow, happening again. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay. So, you know, while we're all sitting in the U.S. looking to Ukraine as like, oof, you know, these people are suffering so much. They are, mm-hmm. absolutely, but they're also, like, coming together right. so much, and that's really powerful, and I never really thought about it like that. It was a really quick read. I don't know that I would, like, recommend it to everyone, but it was an interesting perspective. I might have to try and see if I can look, get that one and, like, listen to it or something, because yeah. I uh, I have a huge pile to work through, <laughs> as always. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What's new with you? Oh, let's see. We have, well, it's, like, the end of February already, which is insane. Um, I'm still, you know, I've been in training for a new job and I'm still liking it. It's a lot, but I'm still, you know, I try to like shut off my mind at my, you know, the end of my work day. And it's been a couple of weeks where I feel like I moved from my desk, you know, my desk in my home office to my living room couch and then directly to bed. So I'm kind of like <laughs> each week give myself like three extra goals oh, nice. to make myself more productive. And this week was kind of off a little bit because one of them I had was I wanted to work out five days a week. However, last weekend I did something to my back, which I'm sure it was when I was weightlifting and 
you know, seem like a good idea at the time. Older yeah. and whatever. So I'm still, I'm like 98% better, but I'm not lifting weights and I haven't been able to really run. But I had like, sure. I had like four solid days where I could hardly move. And then I'm sitting in a desk chair for eight hours. So, um, so that kind of put a wrench in things. However, my other two goals were I wanted to make a loaf of bread and I wanted to scrapbook two more pages because I've been trying to catch up on that. So I didn't, I, I yesterday made a loaf of lemon bread. I'm really wanting to learn how to make a good loaf of like artisan, like sourdough or something. So I didn't quite get to that goal, but I made bread. And then yesterday I took my dog for a long hike in the snow and then I came home and got my, I have a record player and usually on the weekends I listen to music and have my coffee and read in the morning, but I have the Moulin Rouge soundtrack oh, on vinyl, which is amazing. It. And so I had that up as loud as I could get it <laughs> and I got my two pages done and I left all of my stuff, as you can see in my <laughs> dining room here, it is out. So I, yeah. I have to continue She's coming on back to it. So, but I also did some, I did some reading. So, um, I had been reading this book called black cake and it's on the Jenna Bush reading list for this month. It was the book club pick for this month. And so it was a new, it was like a, a, her, the author's first book. And it was really, really good for the most part. It was very lengthy. And I, by the end, I felt like there were probably 150 pages that could have been left out of this because Hmm. it kind of got to where it was. It was losing some of its steam. steam. Yeah. And I mean, it was, but it's a really good book and it was about, I mean, it's a, it's a fiction book. Um, and kind of, kind of a mystery, you know, there's, you know, a, um, a mom has died and her two adult children find out that her life is not what they thought it was. She leaves a message with her, the attorney handling her estate and it kind of like leads them on this wild goose chase. But then like the two, these two children have also been at odds with each other for some time. So there's a lot of like family dynamics going on and then this mystery. And then there is a lot of, you know, talk about current social, sure, you know, social situations as well as history. It's really good. And so it kind of ties it all together. And I gave it a 4.5 stars because the only reason I didn't the give extra. it five was it needed to be trimmed down just a tad. Sure. So that's, that's our lives right all now. All right. <laughs> that's a lot of things. Yes. All right. Before we get into our book all the way, um, here's a bit about it and its author from Barnes and Noble. Debut author Angeline Booley has crafted an immersive and heart-stopping thriller told through the eyes of 18-year-old Donis, a biracial, unenrolled member of the Ojibwe tribe. With crystal meth abuse on the rise in her community, Donis uses her knowledge of science and native medicine to go undercover as a confidential informant with the FBI. But what she uncovers makes her question everything she's ever known. Uli's authentic depictions of the complexities of Native communities and the trauma and strength of Native women specifically make this book a complete standout for YA and adult readers alike. All right. Before we share our chat with our special guests, Carrie, what do you remember standing out to you in this book? I read this book originally um, just coming up on a year ago. I read it with the people that we're going to be discussing this with as part of a community read for their school. So, and it was a book that was on my radar because it's a Reese book. And I really love that she chooses usually female authors, Mm -hmm. um, you know, POC authors, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I love learning about the different cultures 
through yeah. the books that she chooses. So, um, so much stood out to me about this book. I mean, obviously the storyline itself, the, the, the fiction part of mm -hmm. the book, but what I really loved was learning about the native culture. culture right? I loved Which learning. is like right in our backyard. Yes. Like, honestly. It is. Yep. And I loved learning about this tribe specifically, but one thing that was really interesting too, is having this community discussion and having, you know, kind of what I would consider authoritarians discuss this with us yeah. so we could learn like me who is not native and doesn't have right. much exposure to it in my daily life. Um, I can get a better understanding. Now where I grew up, I had a lot more exposure to, you know, native tribes than living here, which is sure. kind of interesting since they're right. really right in the area. But, um, so my big takeaway really from this book was learning about the indigenous people, learning about the tribes. Um, they, the author throws in some of yep. the language and yeah. And that's honestly what connected for me. Yeah. I started reading this and then realized that every time I would come across a native word, I would like have to look up how to say it correctly and what did it mean? And, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. and then I decided that I would just be better if I could just listen to it. So it did. And hearing the, the reader, um, you know, pronounce all of the words and even just the names mm -hmm. and how that inflection goes, um, really added and like heightened the book for me. So, mm -hmm. uh, for me, listening to it was phenomenal. And honestly, the stories of, of the community mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, I really connected to the idea that the main character, Donis, is kind of living in that two world scenario mm -hmm. um, where she feels, you know, pulled by her native uh, heritage, but also she's biracial. So mm -hmm. she has some non native heritage as well. And just trying to kind of appease everyone. Right. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, spoke so much to the hate you give and. Mm -hmm you know, that having to be both or everything to everyone. That inner, inner conflict with where, where do I most belong or yeah. how do I, how do I fit in, in this world? How do I fit in, in this world? And how do I keep true to who I am? Yeah, for sure. So I did feel like the storyline itself was really good, really good. I loved this author. I loved her writing style. I loved, um, I just loved so much about this book. And yeah. I know it was a very, I mean, it was challenging in that it's a hard topic. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hard topics. There, yeah. So it's, it's got a lot of dark stuff that goes on in the book itself, but it was handled so well. And it, so it, it is a YA book. Mm -hmm. However, as an adult, I, or not a YA, I guess. Yeah. Not a young adult. <laughs> An OA. I, got, <laughs> I, got, I, I took a lot out of this and um, I even felt like the community discussion that I was in just helped helped with that because yeah. I had so many other resources to learn from. Sure. Totally. So I cannot wait to share our discussion mm -hmm. um, with our special guests today. So we'll take a quick break before we get into the book. All right. Today we are joined by a few um, local educators who um, have a particular I don't know, like a tat not attachment, um, interest in this book, we'd say. So I'll let you guys all introduce yourselves because I'll get it mixed up and then I'll embarrass myself. So I'll let you guys introduce yourselves and you can tell us a little bit about what brought you to Firekeeper's Daughter. 
I'll go first. I am Amy and I am the library media specialist at the Indian Community School. I've been there 19 years and I actually got an advanced reader's copy of this book on my Kindle. And the minute I read it, I went to Miss Ash. I'm like, this is our next community reads because this book has everything. It just absolutely action packed and everything. So I was super excited when it came out. Very cool. Uh, my name is Joanne Ash, and I teach 7th and 8th grade ELA at Indian Community School. I have been there 22 years, and I also have a special place in my heart for this book. When Angeline was on Good Morning America interviewing the book, I bawled my little eyeballs out because I was so proud that we had an Indigenous First Nations author on that huge banner in Times Square. Mm -hmm. and. Every time I showed it to every single one of my classes, and every single time I cried a little bit harder for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> How cool that you were able to share that with your students, mm -hmm. too. That's so neat. And I'm Karen, and I also teach at Indian Community School. I have been there for 26 years as a classroom teacher, and I just became an interventionist. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, Amy and uh, Joanne, uh, created a community read on this book and I joined it and I fell in love with the book and I learned so much from it so hopefully we'll learn more today very cool so the community reads you guys have done a handful of those we started during the pandemic and we said oh, we have to, we can, you know we still have to spread the love of reading while we are apart so we did our first one during the pandemic and can you tell us what some of the other books were that you did as community reads or do you remember yes, we <laughs> I we did um What's the one, the dystopian one? The Meryl Thieves, Thieves by, um, at the same time, Dina Lane. Mm -hmm. I can't think of her first name. Okay. And did we do the anti racist one? Oh, yep. We did um, How to you know, Stamped by. We did Stamped. We I, so oftentimes will do um, professional development books. Oh, okay. Professional development books. But Amy also runs a seed book club for our staff members at school too. And those okay, are typically cool. always native authors or native um, content. Oh, how interesting. I have to email you and you can shoot me some other suggestions. That'd be amazing nice. because yeah, this is definitely like a topic I didn't think about. Um, you know, we've been trying to, you know, talk read about people who are unlike us and like it just never really you know it's not as in front of my face i think to read about indigenous communities mm -hmm. um and we were talking when you guys sat down that i grew up in illinois and came to wisconsin to go to college and did not know that i had to take a specific class about indigenous communities to Wisconsin to get my teaching license. And there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. It's called Act 31 and our former principal, Alan Caldwell, is the one that put that into action to yeah. make it. Um, because we have a lot of native students that do not live on the reservation. And sure. when they go into public schools, when I was in public school, mm -hmm. there's like three paragraphs on page, yes. you know, 37. Mm -hmm. of, and um, so yes, that's a problem, and yeah. F thirty one re yeah. requires all teachers to know the history and to incorporate it into their classrooms. Yeah, and a lot of our staff even go to those classes to keep learning more. So those classes are so important and um, educational for people that are in the culture and people that need to learn about the culture. Right, and recognize that those mm -hmm. students are within our schools 
all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, if we aren't like aware. Not even to recognize, for teachers to recognize that the students are in their classrooms, but for, um, when my son was moved from Indian Community School, because we are K through eight to um, high school, mm -hmm. so freshman in high school, they had to do a little icebreaker activity and the, one of the other kids asked him, what school are you from? He said, Indian Community School. And they're like, what's that? He's like, well, it's a school for all Native kids in Milwaukee. And the freshman in high school said, there are Indians that are still alive. Oh, and he's wow. like, wow. <laughs> yeah, because oh, in, goodness. you know, textbooks, it's, you got a paragraph in, yeah. in history. Right, in history. People Absolutely. that used to live here that used to exist, but they don't anymore. Oh, my God. That's insane. I mean, and this isn't that long ago. My son's 22, so it's yeah. not like there's... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, this book is definitely relevant yeah. to our community. Yeah. Like, because we don't always realize... I mean, I don't think that I was under the impression that all Native people right. were, were not parents. <laughs> but I definitely didn't think about how large they were still present in communities. Like, you, you, don't, you don't think about it. You don't walk up to someone and say, like, what's your, you know... Native heritage, it's not part of your conversation. So yeah, this book to me um, spoke a lot to, you know, some of those things that I learned mm, a long time ago when I was a college student in these classes. I was like, oh, I read about that. I, I, I read about that and I learned about this. So how about you, Carrie? I know on your side of the state, mm -hmm. it's a little different, but. Yeah, we, know. I'm, I'm from the Western side of the state. There's a lot of, um, you know, indigenous people that I grew, I grew up with. So it was, it is just always interesting when you get outside of those areas and you don't, you know, like I, I recognized that there's not, yeah, I, I don't see it every day over here versus back in my hometown. Cause I had like black river falls is right there, which mm -hmm. is, you know, got a, it's got a reservation right there. And, um, you know, some other, little areas up in that side of the state too. So it was always a presence in, in my childhood. That was really an interesting part of this book as mm -hmm. it talks about, you know, the students, the, the, the students in the book who did live on the reservation and then the ones who did not, and like just kind of their very different experiences as families. Um, so your school serves students who are not living on the reservation or both or, or right. on all reservations. There's a lot of, um, transition from reservation to okay. the city to reservation. There's a lot of back and forth movement. Oh. Um, so yeah, when, so our school started in 19, I always forget if it's 69 or 70, three native mothers in the Milwaukee area who realized that their students weren't having their needs met um, in the MPS school. So they started the school in their basement and it grew from there. So yeah, we serve cool. <laughs> urban, native students okay. from the Milwaukee area. We're in Franklin, but it's mostly our students come from Milwaukee, West Dallas, the area. Okay. In the 1970s, there was the Relocation Act. So mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, natives came to cities throughout the United States, but that's how like a lot came to the Milwaukee area during that. Oh, okay. And like you said, though, they still go back and forth and hmm. people have family members still there and some don't have any affiliation with their reservation. So it's totally different every student's experience is, is different yeah. yeah or because of relocation they've lost that connection yes. and they've lost that yep. part of their identity mm -hmm. oh, okay sure that was definitely something that like i don't think about but reading this book i was like oh okay so she had like the main character had family in one place the family in another and 
and had family who wasn't native and had fa family who was so was feeling that like back and forth all the time mm -hmm. which we read another book like that well yes. a few but the hate we you did, give yeah. reminds me a lot of this book mm -hmm. of the whole like kind of those parallels that yeah, yeah. living in two worlds yeah. Yeah. two worlds yeah, yeah. it's like how did she talk about yes the whole like sometimes i act this way sometimes mm -hmm. i act that way and i think donna's totally did that in this book yeah which, her school persona so and then her home well with each of yeah. her like the sides of her family mm -hmm. right and she was like well this is what the firekeeper side would do and mm -hmm. or would expect of me that was really neat I liked this book a I lot, did too. by the way. Yeah. I read, I was able to read it with you guys last year. So it's been a little bit since I read it, but it's one that's kind of sat with me for ever since then. And I, I recommended it so many times ever since I, you know, and it was a Reese pick too, a Reese Withers. And I always like to read hers too. So it was got, it was kind of nice to get it. You know, sometimes it takes me a while to work through that list, but <laughs> so that was one that got pushed up right away. And I did, I really liked it. I, I thought it was, you know, I mean, it's a hard, a hard story, but yeah. a beautiful story. You know, there's just so much that goes on in this. Yeah. Book. For sure. What, tell me about what you guys, your thoughts on the different ceremonies and, and that. Yeah. Sort of did stuff. you, yeah. how were they portrayed as opposed, I know you guys hold some ceremonies at your school mm -hmm. from time to time. Um, how did that kind of, like, do you feel like it was portrayed I thought Angeline did such an amazing job of weaving the culture into the story and not having to like take a break and explain this. But like, yeah. for example, the grandfather teaching, she weaves those throughout and explains how Donis um, practices that every single day by putting down tobacco every morning or, you know, saying her prayers every morning. Um, so I thought it was really seamlessly woven into the story that native people recognized and felt seen and celebrated yeah. and it was amazing and then other people learned something yeah like, oh, i didn't know that and yeah. she yeah. on her interview for good morning america angeline said she really considered um putting a like a glossary of the ojibwe words that were used in the story but it was a conscious decision that she did it that we're going to normalize the native languages that are in this words that are used in this book and you can figure those mm. words out in context oh yeah and, totally um so everything I thought about my like our students really identified with this. Yeah, book. It how was did really they beautifully like? Done. What have you heard from students and their like feelings about this? They loved Donna's, and really? I, I sat in a couple of her students' book clubs. I'm like, can I just come down and listen right. and talk to right. you? And they, first of all, they blew me away with their conversations. They were very Kids deep and very so, thoughtful, yeah. and had things tabbed and wanted to talk about certain mm -hmm. things. So they did wonderful. But yeah. I think, like you said, they want to be seen. I heard Angela say, when you see some of those things, that's that's her wink to native people. She's like, you get it, you see it. Like mm -hmm. I'm winking at you when you're reading that. And I kind of like that. But our students, I, I do, I think they felt seen. And I love how strong Donna is. Yeah. And our girls, I think, really loved that about mm -hmm. her. Sure. That she stood up for herself and her people and her family. But again, like we said, had to navigate families that were completely different and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But our, you can talk more about students maybe. Right. Um, what I was thinking, though, we when we did this as a community read, we invited our um, Ojibwe teacher who mm -hmm. knows a lot of um, Ojibwe history. 
and asked him about certain aspects of the book and to teach us about certain aspects mm -hmm. of the book, like that blanket party yes. um, that they talk about. I had never heard of that before. And I was like, is that a real thing? I never heard about yeah. that before. And he hadn't either. So he said he, you know, in a lot of um, like I'm Oneida and, and we are a matriarchal society. So women do really hold a lot of power and make the decisions. Yeah. And even though we're not chiefs, um, we choose the chiefs. And I always think of this um, line from um, my big fat Greek wedding where, <laughs> yes, the man is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck. And we turn the head the which way we want the, you know, sure. <laughs> decision to be made. Um, so we hadn't, I haven't heard any elders or, you know, people that really know a lot about the culture talk about blanket parties. But the little people in here are definitely yeah. very, okay. very important in the Ojibwe culture. Okay. And um the Ojibwe creation story starts at Madeline Island up in mm -hmm. Lake Superior. And there are a ton of stories about the little people in that area as well. So mm -hmm. that is all very much um, part of um, Ojibwe yeah, that was one that I was culture like, and tradition. What is happening? I definitely <laughs> looked that up. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I listened to this because yeah. of not having the glossary of words. I spent a whole bunch of time being like, how would you pronounce that? How, how would you pronounce that? So I got about four chapters in and was like, I need to listen to this. I want to hear it pronounced yeah. correctly. I want to hear the like intonation and you know, like how someone would say this, not just like me phonetically trying to stumble through these very long words. They're very long. Um, so that was really cool. <laughs> the They're so long. language <laughs> describes like every like it's a very descriptive yes, language. Like, the word okay. for coffee is like black water that has been seeped or something like that. So oh, that's okay. why it, it, they're so they long because <laughs> they're descriptive words. They're describing the whole word. How, how cool. I really liked having him in on that committee discussion because as coming in with, you know, my little knowledge that I had, it really was, I really, first of all, enjoyed just being able to hear everyone discuss it, but I liked having, you know, having him talk as well. And I felt like I got a lot out of that, of having that aspect of the discussion. How cool to get, so, yeah, yeah, that to input. get more, yeah, more input and that blanket party though. That was, I know that makes me wonder if it's just not something they talk about. Well, I was just gonna was say like some other authors have gotten um, pushback for sharing too much about ceremonies, oh, and um, she has not. So I think she did kind of go around and like you know at the end when Lily she realized Lily had been because it was secret. Like mm -hmm. I think some of that is true there, okay. because there are things that we would you know you can yeah. feel free to share and there's other things that this is just this for is us this is ours. which makes sense mm -hmm. yeah i really good. loved i think it was near the end of the book with the description of the jingle dresses mm -hmm. because i've been to you know mpm the public museum and like you see all the things mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and you could read about them but to hear like where this came from and mm -hmm. why why these dresses even exist because it sort of seems like a lot of work for you know one time a year or something okay why are we doing this but to hear it described the history of mm -hmm. why and how we came to this was beautiful um, just to clarify a jingle you wouldn't do a jingle jingle dance just once a year you oh, whenever you I had no whenever it's in me right. yes well, thank you <laughs> so cool and yeah. Also, like, one other thing too about the museum here—the yeah. that um, display that you see of the the bird. Yeah, people, I don't know. Those are real 
real people and that we work with. Our yeah. Yeah. Oh, how cool! Really? Like, they look exactly they like. Look oh, there's so and so. That's not creepy yeah. at all. Yeah. They're coming to the museum and see them standing there. So they're like fashioned after actual. They people are people. The they yes. are people yeah. in our community, and they mm-hmm. did like a. They'll show you the yeah the process. There's a video of the process, and they made a cast of them, and they donated their regalia and their you know everything that you see up there is this is a real person that is walking down the hallway. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of you know our students' grandfathers. Or it'll still be a huge exhibit, but but it's different. different. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll take a quick pause, and then we'll come back and talk about the big conflict in this book a little bit. So we haven't really got into like the meat of this book. And I would love to hear kind of your perspective and mm-hmm. like how you felt like this would be received in indigenous communities because it centers around some pretty like it felt kind of stereotypical about like oh drug abuse and you know alcohol and that sort of thing within you know it's one of those things that you kind of like read about in history books about this is right. something terrible that happened to indigenous people, but the story was, I felt handled so well of like why it would be in their community mm-hmm. and how it kind of proliferated through their community of like, we don't talk about it. It is devastating this. so many communities. I don't think yeah. it's stereotypical at all. It's okay. like devastating. I have to say too, that was one big takeaway for me was like, I got, it did do that deep dive. And I think it gave me a much clearer mm-hmm. picture of why it is happening in those specific in so communities. many communities. yeah yeah versus i mean it, it's not just the stereotypical it really tells you it, it gives you a big idea of why and i think yeah. that was a good take so away. that does make me feel a little bit better i mm-hmm. felt reading it like okay so we're just gonna talk about like drunk indians like oh gosh is that the t- is that where we're headed i don't want to head down that path but no. okay i'm glad that that was not your no takeaway. no good so how how do you feel like that was handled like within the community was would that be like the i felt like they were kind of covering for each other a lot and like doing things because i don't know like it just felt like the right way to handle you know some of them knew right like they knew but they were part of part of creating this problem within like watching their own community struggle I think really hurt Donis mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was why she felt so betrayed by her brother. It's like, you're hurting us. Yeah. Um, um, Sorry, I'm just trying to like, <laughs> it's, it was heavy. <laughs> it was, and I, I don't know like, um, is that like a native thing? But yeah, I mean, yeah, or is it a young people right, thing? You right, know, snitches right. get stitches and you yeah, don't say, you know. Right. So okay. I just feel like point. it's more like a young person thing and not necessarily. Um, it's in all communities. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's just in the native. Right. And I yeah. maybe it's more that like tight knit community where mm-hmm. like, you know, we are one, like we are a people, like whether it's native or african-american or hispanic or whatever like i don't know that everyone feels that sense of community to their community right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. where it's very ingrained in ojibwe culture like these are our like we do this at least that's 
what I gathered, you know, the way that Donna spoke about her family and like what they would expect of her and what they wanted from her. You know, I think she felt a lot of that need to do what was expected. Yeah, I think um, like the, it does a great job thinking about like um, the pain in native communities caused by historical trauma Mm -hmm. and that often it does lead to alcoholism or drug Mm -hmm. abuse. And right now that, you know, meth is rampant on so many different reservations. Um, So I thought it did a good job handling that topic and um, showing how young people in general just deal with it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my students, because I think this is a book about identity and in eighth grade, that's like our theme for the whole unit. We tell them, you know, identity, figuring out who you are, (laughs) because if you're secure in who you are when you leave, chances are better that you are going to be secure in who you are when you're in a different environment that's not so supportive and um, you'll make better choices for yourself. And you think of Donis, you know, you talked about living in those two worlds. Oftentimes, Native people are not secure in who they are because we do live in two different worlds or we feel um, apart living in an urban area. We feel that separation between the residents and the urban Indians and who's a real Indian, who's not. And um, so that is a question. And I think a lot of that questioning sometimes can lead to things like depression and alcoholism and drug use. And you see that in um, the characters. What is... um, Travis, right? Is yeah. One? yeah. Travis, what, what my, I had a conversation with one of my eighth graders because they hated him. Like, yeah. hated. Right. Wait, Travis is the one who shot. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lily, yes. Thanks. Um, they hated him and they're like, he's a terrible person. Like, is he a terrible person or is he a good person who Chris. did Got something him. terrible? And is there a difference between those two? And I said, why do you think, um, Angeline keeps going back to pre-drug addiction to show us who the person he really is, but how the drugs changed him and that he's not a terrible person because she she argued for a long time. And I said, you can think he's a terrible Mm -hmm. person, but I just want you to think about what the author wants you to think about him too and why Mm -hmm. she puts those little seeds in the Mm -hmm. beginning and why she keeps flashing back um, that he just made terrible choices. Why did he make those terrible choices? And when you're not in your right mind because mm-hmm. you've gotten hooked on drugs or whatever the case is. Yeah, these are the, that is really good. And I think that's really important to point out too, because he, yeah, it was horrible that right. what he did and was, a, it was an awful act of what he did, but that is a good idea to think about who, you know, was that really him or was that because he yeah, was how, how does that, that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right talk- who he is. So we talk, you know, obviously it's eighth grade, so we're talking about, you know, what is the, what are the themes in the book? What are mm-hmm. the motifs? And we talked a lot about um, identity and forgiveness, that this really is a book about mm-hmm. forgiveness mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of forgiving that needs to be done, but the person that Donis needs to forgive most is herself yes. and mm-hmm. that she is very, very hard on herself and blames her, puts a lot of blame on herself for a lot of different things that she needs to forgive herself yeah. for. I'm curious what, if when you're like talking about this book with students and you know identity comes up how how do you handle Jamie cuz he right. his identity is all over the map for like the whole book and then you know um Donna's pushes him to like learn about his true identity like his actual heritage and i'm like 
does he even want to go down that path? Yeah, he seemed a little unsure. Yeah. I mean, but being undercover the whole time, like, right. what is his identity? Um, being a book club full of eighth grade girls, they love story and yeah. they made a soundtrack. Like if you could make a soundtrack and like when yeah. they walk into the dance and see each uh-huh. other, what song is playing. So they love Jamie, but I do think that is an accurate oh, <laughs> portrayal of, of a lot of the identity struggle that a lot of native people that are removed from the reservation sure. and maybe removed from any sort of ceremonies mm-hmm. or teachings from when they're growing up that they, okay, I'm, it, what, I don't even know what tribe he was from. I, I don't even know if they, I think it was Southwest or yeah, something. Yeah. Himself, but, but, so I know this is who I am, but I don't know how to. How do I, think I that, how to connect to that? Right, mm-hmm. right. So I think that's true for a lot of native people, that his story is definitely accurate for okay. a lot Interesting. of Yeah, and I liked that they talked about like different ways that he could have been, you know, like wh- why were you adopted out? Were you removed to go to a school? What, like what could have brought you to where you are right now? Because that's something I don't really think about either is, is why families would be separated. The other thing that we talked about too is colorism though, that mm-hmm. even though Donis was connected with her community and she was invested and she followed the teachings and went to ceremonies and worked with the elders and worked with the young people because she was mixed and lighter skin. People didn't automatically look at her and say, oh, she's native. But Jamie, on the other hand, who has darker skin and is stereotypical native looking that people identify him as native, like off the bat because of what he looks like. Hmm. And that was an interesting conversation too, that we have this stereotypical idea of what does an Indian look like? And yeah. if he has dark hair and olive skin and brown eyes, oh, he's native. But I don't know. That's yeah, interesting. another identity right, struggle. He was, he was like welcomed in immediately mm-hmm. and they knew virtually nothing about him. And honestly, he probably didn't know that much about himself either. Like yeah, he definitely as did. far as being indigenous at all. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I think my absolute favorite part of this book was when, um, who was the, the, the uncle who, oh, Ron, Ron? He was uncle the other cop, Ron. Yeah, the other cop, yeah. 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 The other uncle police Ron, officer. No, no, uncle Ron, like, I don't remember. Um, when he is, tried to bring Donna's into their investigation and essentially acknowledged that she was an authority of, their culture, right. the area, the the plants, and all the things. Like, I was like blown away that they were they were turning to an eighteen year old, not even seventeen year old, right? That no, I think she was nineteen because yeah. she was a year out of high school. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, a teenager mm-hmm. um, to to help them because she knew the most. Mm-hmm. How freaking amazing for for students to read that. Mm-hmm. It's very empowering to girls to read that. Yeah. That was another motif that we talked about, that girl power. And this was very strong women throughout. And we really liked that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For them to like acknowledge we need help and you're the person who's going to help us. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's, okay. She's barely an adult, (laughs) but like how cool for her. Um, Yeah. That was, that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. The whole, the whole, the whole story, I just liked all of it. Yeah. I liked it. 
Um, so I know that you said you read this with seventh and eighth graders. Just eighth graders. Just eighth graders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't really, I am just trying to envision like how this would go in, in our public schools, like based on current things, <laughs> our public schools, we would have some people who are like, oh, you're talking about drugs. No, ban that book. No, mm-hmm. we can't read that. Did you have any family pushback when you presented no, this? No, and um, I think that any of the hard topics, drug abuse, because that was the my big thing was the sexual assault. Yeah. To me, that was the most devastating and most that we, I did yeah. a lot of front loading and, you yeah. know, preparing them for this is going to happen. And we talked about that a lot. But that's what books do when they have tough topics. It helps you talk about it. So you don't, you know, just brush it under the rug. Mm -hmm. Or then when you're faced with some of these things, you are informed and you can make good choices. So we are definitely doing a disservice when we tell our students, no, you're too young to read this book. This is not for you. Amy has a quote. (laughs) Sherman Alexie has said, our students are living the lives that we don't want them to read. And that has always rung true. Mm-hmm. Like they are living some of this. Yeah. Our students for sure have seen things that Donna's faces and then they need to identify that. They need to know how to cope. And this book does such a great job too. And that they're not that. alone in their trauma right. yes. and their pain. Right. And yes. that they can make it through. Yeah, when they circle back at the very end. No, that's perfect. Um, when they come back at the end um, and they all sit around and they talk about, you know, like the mm, pansies. Is it? yellow pansies yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. about like you know who's experienced this sort of thing and they're like oh yeah every like how many people are you sitting around and you don't even know that they've been through this and like, mm-hmm. sometimes our good intentions trying to protect children from the world we're doing them a disservice and we're not protecting them at all we're leaving them unprepared, unprepared. sometimes i even like Sometimes people will say, what's age appropriate for the kids to know as far as like thinking of current events and stuff. And I kind of am at this point, I'm like, I'm just always going to have my, the news going, you know, and I, in the background. And I mean, I always have since my son was very little and I think it's, I, I don't want him to be overwhelmed, but at the same time, everything, you know, it's realities. And I think that, um, I don't know how I feel about that, that talk of what's age appropriate some i mean like definitely there are sometimes as far as like we've talked but about like books how and stuff, you but it's how you handle it yeah and it's not how it's presented whether and, it's right okay. whether they're ready for it or not because that's how you learn and grow and get out on in, into the world as a thriving you know young adult mm-hmm. so i i like that too to just that i like the thought that we're doing them a disservice by not letting them or thinking that they might not be ready to read something and well, even the way that the sexual assault was handled, like it wasn't mm-hmm. like graphic, it, right. but it, it was it was the idea of like how she got put into this position. And like, as an adult, you could sit there like, this is gonna go south quickly. But I'm sure as a young teenager, you're like, okay, well, everything will be fine. Like that's an adult, she'll be, she's not fine, you know? And like presenting that, like you put yourself in a scary situation. How do you not put yourself in those kinds of situations? Mm-hmm. And like, what are the things that you, can do or say or think about ahead of time because it wasn't like and then he did all these horrible things to her it was just that you shouldn't have been where you ended up not that that excuses anything but like as a reader thinking like oh you know you can kind of see that writing on the wall of like oh, where are we at where are we headed so you know front loading that with your students of like something sketchy is going to happen and we have to think about how we're going to 
prepare for that. That whole scene too, I think was it's important conversation to have too, because the first thing Donna did was blame herself. Mm-hmm. And when you can have that conversation with these young mm-hmm. women and tell them, because they were mad at Donna's right away, like, no, say something. I said, yes, you have to say yeah, something. Yeah, You're yeah, going to feel yeah, like this yeah. is my fault or, yeah. you know, have these feelings of shame and guilt, mm-hmm. but it is not your fault. And no. you have to let somebody know. Right. So that's great, though, that they, eighth graders, are picking up on, like, why didn't she say something? You know, mm-hmm. so it's that I think that's a good testament that we, you know, we do have some kids that are really seeing bigger pictures and are understanding. Incapable. Yeah. We often, I think, society, adults in general, like underestimate what mm-hmm. kids can do, like by a lot, by a mile. And I think, you know, allowing them to kind of work through some of that stuff. You know, you read it, it's safe, right? Like, but you can still process. Well, what would I do? How would I handle that? What would I think is mm-hmm. important? So cool. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Do you want to add anything else yeah. before we wrap this all up? Um, no, but at the end <laughs> of, um, Angeline's, um, interview on Good Morning mm-hmm. America, she told, this is another thing that made me cry. She said, miigwech. So I'll say, you won't go away and miigwech. Those are, um, Menominee Ojibwe and Oneida ways to say thank you. Um, and I loved it that they had it on Good Morning America because those are not words that are often heard in the broader community. So now your listeners can learn three new, um, native words okay. from okay. our area. Thanks for joining us for our book chat. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to find us on social media and recommend us to your friends. We hope you'll continue to join us in the journey to change the world by starting small. Bye.